And welcome to Cangri, a home of Canada's queer media. My name is Luke Smith. And I'm Sebastian. Hello, Sebastian. How are you doing? Oh, I, I, I have just realized that I've not had enough caffeine in the day, but it's too late in the day <laughs> to have some now because then I won't, uh, I won't sleep well. This is true. That I think there is definitely an, I don't know, on the one hand, I'm like, everyone reaches a certain age where caffeine after five and you're like oh maybe maybe not you know um but i feel like if it comes from a starbucks drive-thru it just doesn't count (laughs) you know what i mean like if you're out and about and you're like doing stuff and you're like oh i'll just grab a coffee on the way uh Mm. but if you're at home making sensible decisions then suddenly uh not remotely appropriate but Mm -hmm. there we go well i do have a hipster's delight in my fridge right now that i could probably go grab and by that is Delight. What on earth is a hipster's delight? I mean, it's not a real it a term. Craft I just beer? made it up right now. No, no, no. It is a a uh, decaf coffee, cold brew iced coffee, uh, with quite a bit of cocoa in it. Um, wow, brown sugar, okay. not white. Yeah, so you get that nice molassesy aftertaste. You know, then, I'm uh, all yeah. about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, it's been a little while. It's been a bit hectic uh, for all things gay on Can Queer, but uh, we are thrilled to get uh, get things back under control. Uh, mm-hmm. Looking at lining up some guests over the next uh, few weeks or so uh, as we dive into bringing you the latest LGBTQ news from across the country. Now, one story that we have been following quite closely uh is halifax pride and the oh, folks yes. over, at, uh, over at waves have done a truly incredible job of um keeping track of the frankly just it was a, a saga just mm. a saga of things there was supposed to be a meeting in july that got um cancelled at the last minute in later in july we were talking about how they were days away from the Pride Parade, but didn't tell anybody where it was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that was uh, that was a great thing. And then on the 14th, they were given the go-ahead for a new route. Um, and you, you can't do your parade without a permit. So surely they would know because the permit would say where they're allowed to do road closures. Um, so yeah, the, the whole thing was was baffling. Uh, well, Absolutely. the other thing is, because uh, I remember there were questions at the time, and it was all over the place, questions about, are, are they incompetent, or are they are they on top of everything and just not communicating clearly? And uh, it, it seemed to be, it wasn't so much about competency, it was more about, there was so much turnover and so much shuffling on the board that it was hard to get things done, and then when they did get things done, it was kind of last minute, because it would be when there's shuffling going on. And then in the end, the the parade did happen. Um, well, actually, I, I mean, initially it wasn't going to. Mm-hmm. Uh, July 22nd, uh, Halifax Pride and Halifax Emergency Management uh, decided to pull the plug on, on the Pride Parade happening. I think there were lots of um, wildfires uh, in Nova Scotia at that time as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of these things kind of come together. Then October 5th, um, uh, said that uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, there was a board meeting at uh, for Halifax, uh, the AGM. Um, and media, I believe, were not invited. 
Uh, and I think a parade permit's actually been issued for October 28th. So one of okay. those better late than ever pride parades. I have been saying for a while that I would love to see more late autumn, early spring uh, parades. You can mm. do a lot more interesting stuff when it's not uh, the temperature of the surface of the sun outside. Um, and uh, I mean, not everybody likes summer, you know, anyone with an autoimmune condition, e.g. myself, uh, tends to suffer quite a bit in the heat. And I like the idea. I love the idea of having a pride parade where everyone's wearing toques and scarves. <laughs> and a cozy, cozy parade. Actually, yeah, cozy you should parade, go yeah. to, you should, I think it's Fergie, BC, mm-hmm. um, where they have... And there's well, at least one of them that has their pride parade in the winter. It's one of the sort of ski towns uh, up in the mountains. And uh, yeah, they they have their pride parade uh, in the winter. I don't know. Maybe, Sebastian, maybe you're asking too much. I think, I think you're being a little demanding. And the reason why I say this uh, mm-hmm. is because somebody pointed out recently that uh, pride in the US is pride month. It's June. I believe it's June. Uh, and then in Canada um, and uh, in most of Europe, etc., it's Pride season mm-hmm. where, you know, just the summer months as a whole get stretched out. Um, mm-hmm. And now you're advocating for the, the Pride, the other seasons. Like, you know, is there is there any time mm-hmm. safe, Sebastian, from the gays? Like, is well, there any... I mean, the way that I view this is that it would be a safer parade because if it is approximately minus 10 to plus five degrees Celsius outside, uh, you're going to get a lot fewer complaints about people being overly sexual at Pride because Mm. um, it's going to be hard to walk around wearing only a thong uh, when hypothermia is on the table. So you're going to get a lot of people in nice pea coats. You're going to get it's it's. It's it's the waistcoat and bow tie pride parade. It's the classy pride parade it, when you do it in the late autumn, early spring. Not fully winter because slipping hazards and and you know we don't want that. And um, especially yeah. here in Canada, because it can't be sexy trudging through snow. Like you know what I mean. No one's what? no one's gone stomping through some snow on a sidewalk and gone. Yeah, this is the look. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. It's hard. Uh, to, to be sexualized when you're wearing Sorrells or Uggs. Yeah. Uh, which is a very Canadian thing. I, I love that when people move to Canada and they're like, well, Canadians have no sense of fashion. And we actually kind of are known as being some of the worst dressers in the Anglosphere. Um, and a lot of it does come down to winter. People, they come here, they get the nice shoes, the nice pants. They go outside one day in the winter. They come back. Everything is destroyed by salt. And now they're just yeah. getting... They're they're tucking their their fancy suits into the Sorrells like the rest of us and just changing when they get to work. Uh, but but bring that energy to the Pride Parade. And then a lot of the complaints about the community, actually, even from within the community, uh, would evaporate because it would be like, well, everyone's wearing a sweater now. Um, you know, I think that sounds delightful. And honestly, I'm I'm I think Halifax Pride may have inadvertently stumbled on this, and I say inadvertently in the most extreme sense. And, and then, uh, and then, instead of like wine and coolers, it could be hot toddies for everyone. It could be oh. a a full switchover, and just you know, you know, bring out the you roasted got, like, chestnuts at Pride. I I'm just picturing you know the the late fifties butch lesbians. You mm-hmm. know, getting all of that with their dog. You know, yeah, making yeah. the the meanest 
you know, mac and cheese and mm-hmm. and and what have you. Bring back mm-hmm. lesbian potluck parties. Oh, mm-hmm. the bears! You're really describing pride for bears. Maybe mm-hmm. you should just go to Provincetown. I think that's probably what uh, <laughs> what, what we're looking for here. But uh, I think it's going to be interesting. Halifax, uh, hopefully, their pride parade will be happening on October the 28th. Local businesses mm-hmm. uh, along the route were notified of the uh, upcoming permit. Mm-hmm. Um, but we did want to mention what happened recently. Now, they have been, it's been messy over at Halifax Pride. And yeah. I, I think messy is the politest phrase that we can use. Well, but we did let's get a high here. turnover. We did. Yes, yeah, yeah. we did. Um, I think it is important to realize, and, and this is a major struggle of nonprofits, mm-hmm. um, and the ability for volunteers who step up into positions of significant responsibility. Yeah. You know, if you're saying to the world, I am going to be acting with my fiduciary duties, which means mm-hmm. sort of uh, uh, legal obligations, um, on behalf of the members of the community uh, to run this organization, you know, mm-hmm. then there's a bit of a community expectations, you know, for for how that conduct is, is carried through. But at the same time, that is a lot of pressure. It is a lot of uh, stress and weight on those folks. Mm-hmm. We see boards of directors go tits up at pride organizations mm-hmm. up and down the country. Like they are just, you know, boards of directors aren't always uh, the, necessarily the safest pair of hands uh, mm-hmm. in terms of boards of uh, uh, capital pride, uh, not capital pride. In terms of pride organizations, mm-hmm. that's actually why I like Fiat to Canada Pride, FCP. You know, we've talked about this before. And one of the things that excites me most about this national organization is just the bureaucracy. <laughs> the bureaucracy excites you? Absolutely. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I am a gay man that gets excited by the bureaucracy. I mean, I'm now living in Ottawa, so I feel like I'm in the right place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Home of. But Do you let get me let very me... excited when you watch Terry Gilliam's Brazil. I don't know if I've seen you've that. never seen it. It's a imagine a post-apocalyptic movie, except instead of zombies or the bomb, uh the world is destroyed because the bureaucrats won. Oh dear. It's very English. Yeah, no, that sounds about right. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the reason why I'm a big fan of Fierte Canada Pride or mm-hmm. Canada Pride, the national umbrella organization, is because uh, institutional memory, for oh, example. Yes. yes okay, so yeah. when one one big group of board volunteers moves over and changes over, then you they, you don't know what you're doing. Mm. Or if you have hired a staff person to run your Pride event for the first time ever, mm-hmm. there's no previous staff person to say, this is how you do it. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like there is such high turnover. Or that even this if national... they do have experience with other festivals, you know, that works, but not in this context. Or yeah, that doesn't work absolutely. for us. Or we've tried that before and the following people don't want to work with us. Or the following people insist on working with us. So even though you have your contacts who are probably very good, we have to go with these people and they need it done their way. So, I mean, like it's, there's so much, I mean, for lack of a better term, politics involved mm-hmm. in, in this. And and speaking of which, actually, that is one of the major issues why a lot of prides fall apart is um, disagreement on the mandate. 
So you have some people saying that pride fundamentally what you're there to do is you are putting together a parade and a festival and the community it's, it's a framework and the community can come in and hang their politics onto it. So if you want to do an event, we'll promote it. And there's other people who say that no, the job of pride is to be that political organization, but I mean, you get different things. Different community groups may have different visions about what they want. There's actually a lot of disagreement within the queer community about what certain things are, what they mean. You know, what are, what is uh, actually one of the big ones that we've been seeing over the past few years. And actually, this year was a really hotbed for debate over this: is how sexual is too sexual when you're at a pride event? Yeah, people disagree over that. Um, and. When you're saying that the the institution itself has to be political, then they have to take a stance. And then if other people in the community disagree with them, then they may not show up to Pride. And that could ruin Pride because now only two-thirds of the community is there. Like, it, it goes on and on and on and on and on. It, it's 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 pretty rough sometimes. But, I mean, Fierte Canada Pride has one single mandate, which is to support the prides and support yeah. other prides yeah so it's it's pretty straightforward whatever vision you have will support that uh and then the when you get down to the local prides they may all have completely different visions about what it is that the board is supposed to do um a lot of activists end up on uh pride committees but then you also see other pride committees where it's all local small business owners mm-hmm. because I mean, they finding the balance is important and that, don't get me wrong, I think Halifax Pride fell into a bit of a trap other prides have fallen into. Mm. Sorry, something in my throat. Um, which is where things are going, when things are going not well, nobody looks at that mess and goes, you know what, I'm going to wade into the middle of that and uh, just get involved in what is clearly a, a sinking ship. Like No one's booking tickets to the Titanic as it's going down, you know what I mean? Like, you're just not going to do that. And I think it's been a bit of a challenge. But this time, Halifax Pride had, uh, they held their AGM. They were, the board chair was answering questions. There's a sense uh, from the coverage and waves that uh, uh, maybe the, uh, the answers were not as uh, robust as people would, would like them to have been. Um, you know, we're talking about, um, turnover within that board decisions made uh, in the moment and uh, yeah so the accountability was was attempted um but maybe not uh, maybe not a fan but what's mm-hmm. worth noting here is Lisa Buchanan um who is uh, a comedian out of uh, I believe Nova Scotia um rallied together a slate of, of candidates like look here are x number of people mm-hmm vote us on, we'll sort it out. And there is some actual, uh, you know, there is some uh, some some qualifications on these groups. They they now have a surplus. They have the, the, the board of 12 people, all 12 seats has been filled, and there's a wait list for mm. other people who applied and didn't make it on and are comfortable waiting in case somebody has to step down. It's a volunteer board, stuff happens. Um, people have other responsibilities. It's not unprofessional for for volunteer board members to step away mid uh, mid year, mid cycle, mid whatever you want to call it. So they went from what was it three people struggling to keep the lights on to now too many people. This so is many great. people. I mean, there's it, a wait it, list. Yeah, it shows that the community in Halifax have really rallied around. You mm-hmm. know, I'm a little bit 
cautious. Uh, amongst the list is Adam Reed. He recently resigned as the executive director of Halifax Pride. Mm-hmm. There's also previous Pride staff, Sarah Gordon is there. She's now actually the Halifax Fringe Festival executive mm-hmm. director. So when it comes to running festivals, huge experience and knowledge there um then hayden o'malley also former halifax pride staff uh then you got the chair of the youth board uh jen was there um yeah then the ed of the youth project like it's like we got executive directors chairs people with Mm. governance experience people with festival Mm. experience like this is Mm -hmm. the queer community in halifax came together and and decided the creme de la creme of folks who really could run a festival Mm. Uh, should run this one yeah uh, yeah so i'm like you know what this is going to be this is probably uh-huh. amongst the strongest yeah pride boards in the country right now hopefully they get their their paperwork in order you know get a, a good mandate get a good vision get a good uh a sense of direction for the festival um good uh best practices in terms of documentation minute taking records financials which all sounds incredibly boring but this is the side of things that makes a lot of pride festivals tank because they are i mean to say that the pride festival is overly concerned about politics seems like a contradiction because that's the function is is to be concerned about politics but if that if that's to the point where keeping the lights on and getting the paperwork finished is sacrificed Mm-hmm. That is when a lot of of committees fall apart. I mean, there was the the there was that one committee meeting for uh, Toronto Pride last year that I listened to the recording, and as I told you once, uh, after twenty minutes, I had to drink. And I'm not a drinker, but this was a moment where I had to drink to listen to this thing, and it was clear that that at that point in time, that was a year ago, two years ago, they had completely sacrificed. The concept of institutionalized structure uh, for a certain kind of politic that was just tanking the thing. And this is one of those like internal tension things about where do you balance it between making sure the festival is run properly, making sure the community is appeased, making sure that all the politics of what is fundamentally a political thing are satisfied. Um, tilt too far in any one direction and it, and it falls apart and we've seen it fall apart in every direction except for overly structured for some reason uh we're, we're yet to see a pride festival fall apart because the bureaucrats won well i mean you you say that and uh i, don't know, I, don't, I feel like i feel like there's still uh there's still a, a potential there all right um well we'll be uh jumping to our um our first uh, our first song of the day, uh, and we're going to go with a track by uh, Aurora Bella. This is Dumb Enough, the clean version, um, and uh, based out of Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, uh, Aurora Bella is a track. Uh, Canadian queer good times will be coming back just after this. And when I want to look pretty, you prefer me with no makeup on. 
and welcome to Can Queer, home of Canada's queer media. My name is Luke Smith. And I'm Sebastian. Uh, welcome back, I should say, because uh, we were here a little bit earlier talking about Halifax Pride. Now, one story we didn't quite get to, um, but was game-changing. You know, I, I, I think I'm, I, can, I can say that. We have been following an Ottawa-based organization called Kind uh, for a great number of years. They went through a bit of a... I'm, I'm not a fan of the name because it's uh-huh. so um, just wishy-washy kind space. It's like, uh, you know, a service calling itself Good Vibes. It's like maybe for a coffee shop that might work, but it's... Well, the original mm. name was Asterisk Kind. And if you know computers, the asterisk is a wild card. So it's supposed to be like mankind, womankind, mm-hmm. all kinds of people, person of any type of person. That kind of person is welcome here. That that's what it was meant to be, uh, but uh, wild cards were taken out of all search engines uh, quite mm-hmm. some time ago. It's very difficult to use them now. I mean, it, the glory days of the internet when it was when wild cards were in, were in the you find everything on the front page. But anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, and before that, uh, kind was called. Pink Triangle Services. Yeah, exactly. Which uh, the name has a bit of a controversial history because Pink Triangles and the associations with Nazi Germany. uh, A lot of people are trying to reclaim it. You have other people being like, we don't need to reclaim Nazi symbolism. It's Mm -hmm. okay. So the the, there was a bit of a debate and they're like, well, let's just rebrand. So, yeah, I was in Ottawa when this was happening, actually. Yeah, I do remember this. Yeah. Well, they have just received a pretty significant and, uh, frankly, fantastic uh, TD Ready commitment gift. So what TD, uh, Toronto Dominion Bank, um, has released as part of their Ready commitment um, initiative is they have donated to KindSpace, this service center in Ottawa, uh, $250,000 over five years. So about 50 grand a year. Now, that can that can do a whole lot of things. You know, it can pay for uh, space. It could be, uh, you know, a good chunk of a salary, you know, a, a whole person doing something mm-hmm. uh, for five years. For... And, you know, anyone who has worked in the nonprofit sector uh, or the charity sector knows this, that one of the biggest challenges that service organizations have, um, in particular charities, is the boom and bust cycle that really exists one year to the next. You know, you get a grant and then you can make the thing happen and you're just getting into stride and the year's over, funding finished, you know, that person's fired. And now you go back to square one. You know, it's really, really, really difficult to create continuity, to create, uh, you know, um, uh, initiatives that actually have multi-year impact. Um, You know, yeah, it's, it's it's a serious challenge. But, you know, this kind of commitment, what this says from TD is, you know, we believe that you're not going to be financially tits up in two years, you know, that we can actually back you for five years meaning that they can take a look at their five-year plan and consider knowing that they have money to pay a person pay the rent 
they can think bigger. They can think more long-term. They can strategize and develop things that maybe get to more of the core of an issue mm-hmm. as opposed to the Band-Aid on top. You know, this is huge. It's it's huge for an organization like Kind to have this kind of sustainability. Mm-hmm. And fair enough. They are, uh, if they're not the number one, they are one of the top three oldest service centers in Canada. So including the name change, going back to to Pink Triangle Services, they go back to the mid 90s, I believe. They've been they've had their doors open for quite some time, even before um uh, grants to institutions like this were common. Like they they've been able to keep the lights on for quite some time. They have a nice long history of um at least staying afloat. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna vouch for the quality of service through its entire history. Every not-for-profit has good years and bad years as well, according to good directors, bad directors, good boards, bad boards. Sometimes politics, I mean, obviously in an institution like this, you can get politics involved. Sometimes you get again people with different visions of how to interpret the mandate, and that can that can make a hiccup. Mm-hmm. But they have been consistently open for decades so it would make sense that they would get a grant like this absolutely well they have indicated that they're looking at uh boosting the work they do in terms of supporting mental health in uh in the city of ottawa they're looking at uh doing more support for their peer group um things that they have going actually you know this is now i'm thinking about it when i first came to ottawa I joined Pink Triangle Youth, PTY. Do you remember that? I remember it existing, but I am 10 years older than you. So I would. This is true. Yeah. So you may have missed the boat on that one. But yeah, that's how I met my first boyfriend. Uh, I met uh, Tony through uh, Pink Triangle Youth, which is just a youth group. And really, I met him. And I also met Stars there, if you remember Stars, and a few other people. But it was. What that group did, and I can't believe I forgot about it until now, is it created a space where folks in the community were able to connect. Now, we both went to Carlton, and the the, the Pride Center at Carlton uh, acted very much in the same way in terms of being a space where folks can can gather, make friendships, and, and sort of, you know, go from there. Um, but yeah, what they're saying is like, look, yeah, this funding means that we can make sure that, you know, someone's able to turn the lights on at the end of the day, meaning that we can have those clubs happen more and, and, you know, be better, better resourced. Uh, and then looking at uh, doing more with the spaces. Yeah. So this is excellent news. And I think 250 grand is a huge amount and uh, it's nice to see Toronto uh, TD bank stepping outside of just slapping its logo on, Every moving rainbow, i.e. Mm. pride parade, it can get its hands on. Uh, but kind of giving this kind of sustainable, game-changing support to queer organizations that are now going to actually be able to provide service in their communities with a window of time beyond just a one-week parade, but a five-year co- commitment. Like this is, this I think is the much smarter use Mm-hmm. of um social engagement by by the bank and probably still about the same amount as well slapping a your logo on every moving rainbow during pride season is not cheap 
Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, if it costs about the same, but it actually does something, I mean, this this is much better. Uh, well, I from from their their perspective, like if if you're a cynical, um, cold hearted bureaucrat at the top of the bank and you you don't care about these things, you're just looking at it in terms of dollars and cents. Um, I mean, it's fine because it, it does actually go a long way towards public recognition because there is a backlash lately about uh, corporate sponsors at Pride. So this is a good workaround where they can still get their logo on things without it being quite so cynical. Absolutely. Mm. Um, now I'm going to pivot just a little bit. Uh, we have been keeping an eye on book bans uh, mm-hmm. as they happen around the world. Now, everyone's favorite Canadian novelist, Margaret Atwood, um, is recently speaking at, I want to say the Budapest, something or other, the Budapest book um, conference of sorts, uh, the Budapest Forum, there we go, uh, that was happening just uh, just this past week. I'm talking about how these book bans really start the floodgates. You know, if they can ban the book because it talks about the gays, then where does that stop? You know, it and it is that, you know, it's the slippery slope argument. Um, you know, where do you draw the line? But it has gotten truly ridiculous uh, in the States. Uh, there was a book band. Well, you got to be careful with that as well, because there's a difference between a library saying they're not going to carry a given library, a given book versus the state burning uh not burning the, the state banning all purchasing and ownership of a given book like they're not saying you're not allowed to buy this book off of amazon and and have it at home they're just saying that schools and public libraries won't be carrying this and mm-hmm. so it, it, there's a difference between having purchased it and gotten rid of it and saying we're not going to pay money and and spend our money on it in the first place those are those are two different things as well but i don't know i, I yeah. I think that there is an important role that libraries and school libraries play. Yeah. Otherwise, ideas become the preserve of the rich. You know what I mean? If the only people who can read about queer identity mm. are rich enough to buy all of the books, then there's an there's an access piece there. Um, and you know, it's it's it keeps the general population muted on these exchange of ideas the huntsville madison county public library for example recently banned uh the book called read me a story stella it's a children's book okay not remotely gay in okay. any way not remotely okay. gay except it was written by mary louise gay okay Right, and th- th- this is my point. It is so just stupid at this mm-hmm. point that they are banning books because the author's name is gay, let mm-hmm. alone any of the content, let alone any of you know. It just, it doesn't even matter. You know, it it not only does it sound gay, it is oh, it's just it is ridiculous. Uh, but somebody asked Margaret Atwood, and uh, she also you know noted about how frankly outrageous. Uh, uh, it was. There was another story that's been bubbling up um, quite quite interestingly. Uh, the CDC, I think, recently issued some guidance about the morning after pill. 
Now, do you know who the uh, Center for Disease Control in the United States is recommending should be uh, taking the morning after pill? Well, I mean, the, the, the general recommendation is don't take it if you don't have to, because the morning after pill is a mild poison that uh, like if you if you if you believe you got pregnant, then you take it. And it is an, it is a mild abortifactant that just makes your body hostile to getting pregnant in the first place. So um, I don't know, I, I guess, uh, 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 I mean, being the show that we are, I'm going to guess it's not uh, uh, people who work in the waste disposal industry who might be susceptible to parasites. I'm willing to bet that it has something to do with with the gays. You're right. It is the gays. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's who. <laughs> I don't know how you can you 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 uh, Sherlock Holmes your way to that conclusion. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no. So it's Doxypep. It is uh, um, the gay community is probably uh, familiar with pep as a as a phrase pre uh, mm-hmm. post exposure prophylactics. Um, most uh, commonly, folks are familiar with prep. Uh, Mm -hmm. pre-exposure prophylactics Uh, these are essentially uh, shocks to the system Um, in in one case it's uh, designed to uh, make the transmission of HIV uh, nigh on impossible Mm -hmm. and doxypep or doxycillin post-exposure prophylaxis um, is used to reduce cases of chlamydia gonorrhea syphilis the STIs um, mm. And really, that's what they're saying. They're like, look, we understand the CDC is not suggesting that gay men take the morning after pill in case they get pregnant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's not that's not the suggestion here. And more importantly, they also recommend it for trans women, also not for a pregnancy risk. Like they're they're talking about chlamydia, gonorrhea, mm. syphilis. Um, yeah, they reckon, look, you know, maybe it's time that we use this widely used medication um, uh, and open it up to another group of folks. Be like, look, maybe this is something that uh, might be worth doing. So doxypep. Off-label is uh, there are many, many medications that are are used very often for off-label stuff. So famously, some of the uh, I think it's. Um, Acetylsalicylic acid originally used for headaches, but now can be used for heart conditions. And one of the more famous ones was originally the little blue pill was a a heart condition medication and not a boner pill. So side effects, sometimes drugs become more used for their second or third use. So the fact that they're saying like, look, here's this thing that we use for this thing. It also works effectively for this other thing. That's just consistent with the past hundred years of medicine. So it's absolutely I'm in well it, if yeah. folks think about uh um uh Wygovi and oh what's the name it's the injections that are used for diabetes but they have found is actually Insulin? unbelievably uh no no unbelievably effective for weight loss okay it's the new the new weight loss trend uh in the states that sort of you know really it's a game changing mm-hmm Oh, it's going to bug me if I can't remember the um, mm-hmm. name of it. Oh, well. Yeah, no, it's going to... Ozempic, there we go. <laughs> I was like, I knew there's a name for it. Uh, but yeah, you know, you're right, because Ozempic was designed to treat diabetes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now it is, I think it was recently valued at like a billion dollars because they know that it's second or third actual beneficial help 
is significant weight loss by sort of deactivating the the food noise that you hear uh, during the course of the day. Uh, so much so that they're worried about, uh, folks are worried about the supply of it. I don't think the drug companies are worried about the supply. Um, but yeah, no, you're right. You know, it's it's amazing when things, you know, you take a step back and you're like, yeah, maybe the morning after pill can maybe put the curb on a massive wave of SDIs that we have, you know, mm -hmm. that might be, that might be a pretty novel, uh, novel idea. All right. We are going to jump to our next track. This I'm pretty excited about this one. This one is surgical. It's the bilingual version. Uh, Lorianne released two versions of this track, uh, both English and then a bilingual version as well. This Montreal based artist. And uh, we will be back just after Voilà ma tête qui passe en boucle, un souvenir si intense Quand la mémoire s'emballe, j'agonise en ton absence Comment combattre l'impatience sans remède J'ai besoin d'aide Alors je compte les heures et m'imagine à tes côtés Ça fait si mal de penser que tu pourrais m'oublier Plus de temps pour m'enivrer et, et de toi et vice versa. I'm head over heels, I'm losing 
And welcome back to Cancuya, home of Canada's queer media. My name is Luke Smith. My name is Sebastian. How do you do? And yeah, yeah. So I uh, do you know how many animals are gay? Like how many individual animals or how many species of animals? Uh, yes. Uh, oh, I mean, okay. Uh, individual ones, I don't know. I mean, there are uh, actually the sum total biomass of just beetles on Earth is more than sum total of, of biomass of humans. So um, humans are actually, in terms of like the amount of, of space we take up on Earth, really not that much. And then you get into plankton and stuff, but I, I'm willing to bet that there's not a lot of gay plankton. So <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I would assume that it would be like, mammals aquatic mammals maybe a few of the more intelligent birds so probably something like i don't know five percent of species probably have the potential because you get things like corals which are animals i'm pretty sure there's no there's no gay scallops um, i mean like some of those corals are very flamboyant i mean <laughs> i mean and that's all i'm saying uh-huh. uh, and i don't know if you've seen plankton uh at a gay bar but uh you know uh-huh. it's it's really where it's at well i have to say uh i am i am color me impressed mm-hmm. because uh you're not that far off so okay. there was a major study uh, just done. It was just published in the journal Nature Communications. Okay. And it found that there were uh, about 261 species or about 4% of all mammalian species uh, that uh, exhibited same-sex behaviors. Now, to give you a sense of scale here. They surveyed the scientific literature on 6,649 species, bearing in mind that humans is just one of those species. Mm -hmm. Um, And they looked at everything from reptiles, uh, you know, from 250 million years ago, um, which I assume was would have been archaeological studies and 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 um, you know what have you anthropological studies, uh, all the way through till now, and they found that like I said, 261 species, um, but yeah, in total, outside of the mammalian mammalian mammalians mammalian mammals, there we go. Outside of the mammals, uh, <laughs> there are about 1,500 species, everything from gay crickets to mm-hmm. sea urchins. Okay, uh, as oh. well as bottlenose dolphins, bonobos, everybody. It's 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 a whole gambit. So yeah, about four uh, percent across the the oh. the biomass of all of the things. Dolphins and bonobos are both mammals, but urchins. Yeah, but crickets, urchins have uh, five way symmetry. They're they're one of those animals. They're they're weird. And actually, when you when you get a uh, urchin at sushi. Uh, the part of the urchin that you're eating is the testicles. That's urchin testicle, the orange stuff. Oh, just to let you know. Oh, well, that's that's lovely. I don't care um, for it anyway. Not because of that. I just I don't know. I just don't really care for the texture. I, I much prefer roe. That that mm, that salty umami. The 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 fish eggs. Nom, 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 and they mm-hmm. pop in your mouth. Nom 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 nom. nom. But yeah, no. Um, uh, that is that is a lot of species. Yeah. I wonder how much of that is wishful thinking, though, because they actually did find when they re when they went back to some of those um, studies and, and it was just like, you know, the males were very friendly with each other. And then they just declared that to be same sex behavior as opposed to like lions, where they they show clear mating behavior between male mm-hmm. individuals. Um, and then there's uh, uh, male penguins that raise 
uh, that mate for life and and raise stolen eggs together yeah um, so yeah. i mean some of them it's like yeah yeah and there's other ones where even i read it and i'm like no 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 we don't engage in wishful thinking just list the ones that are obviously yes this one is not an obvious yes well it's interesting you say that because one of the doctors dr zook uh you know when in speaking to the new york times about this he said that uh the the, the study was like a smoke detector you want a, and I quote you, you want a smoke detector that is sensitive enough to detect all the fires. Uh, mm-hmm. But sometimes it'll go off when you burn your toast. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. it's it's going to be a bit of a false trip. Uh, I think in particular, they were looking at crickets and like, how do you get gay crickets? And uh, they found that it was more, it was not about uh, little, little male crickets falling madly in love with other little male crickets. Um, they were just trying to... Um, uh, replicate the species as much as as crickety possible mm-hmm. uh, is is how I'm going to phrase that. Uh, they were just horny crickets mm-hmm. <laughs> is really the summary. Uh, but they found that uh, it's all over the place. And typically, they they looked at the species tree for mm-hmm. all of these species that found it, and they did find that uh, typically homosexual behaviors in animals uh, tended to pop up more. Uh, in sociable animals, so animals that exist within social groups and social networks, mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to solitary animals. Um, okay. It's okay. quite hard to be gay when there's only one of you. So I, I get that. <laughs> you know, so tigers are usually on their own. Lions mm-hmm. are usually in groups. Uh, palace cats; those are the the cats that always look grumpy. Uh, they always look like they're they're tired of your nonsense, even though they're not. They don't know what you're up to yet. The those cats, uh, solitary cats. So yeah, probably not. Uh, yeah, that makes I could see that. Yeah, as being a a socializing behavior of some variety. Absolutely. So uh, that's uh, like I said, that was one of the uh, the news stories of the day that we just picked up on. Um, now there are there's a lot of things happening all over the world uh, uh, in. Uh, Eswatini, um, folks may know it as Swaziland. Uh, in Eswatini, there is a bit of a debate between the decision by the Supreme Court, uh, that said, you know, that the government needs to register, uh, as an organization the Eswatini Sexual and Gender Minorities Group. Uh, and the government there is defying the Supreme Court and refusing to recognize and uh, and register this particular group. So yeah, in, in Eswatini in Africa, that seems to be a, a, a huge political debate happening at uh, really the fundamental division of, of powers there with Supreme Court saying one thing and the government, frankly, refusing to do so. Um, what do you mean now, by register the group? What, what, what are we talking about? Like, you know, c- become like a, le- be a legal entity. Oh, you know, okay. Like, like a registered business. Okay, I, I thought you meant like you know keeping a a, a black dossier catalog. Them. Yeah. Now, yeah. if they're refusing to give them a recognized uh, recognition, I'm not going to be so naive as to assume they don't also have a record of them in some other filing cabinets. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. Yeah. So it's uh it's all going on, all going on. All right. Uh, in other news, I think Mauritius 
also had a bit of a Supreme Court decision there decriminalizing gay sex. So the Supreme Court of Mauritius uh, over in East Africa um, in the Asik versus the state of Mauritius case just uh, ruled uh, against that particular section, section 250, uh, bracket one for anyone who follows Mauritian law. Mm-hmm. Um, and then over in Japan, another court case. Mm-hmm. This time, the Japanese courts have found that the requirement for surgery prior to changing gender on government documentation has been found unconstitutional. So the country's Supreme Court um, has just made that decision. It's going to set a new precedent uh, that they're going to have to try and figure out how to what happens next what to do instead uh, yeah exactly yeah. but uh yeah no that's like i said we keep an eye on this news from all over the world and uh particularly it's usually court case uh court cases um that uh that do well and i did forget a canadian story a little bit earlier we were talking about halifax a lot and i forgot to mention the halifax muscles now okay. these mollusks actually are gay because mm-hmm. the halifax well it's the halifax muscles hockey society and mm-hmm. i'm not going to insinuate that all of them are gay but mm-hmm. uh, they have come out uh, quite disappointed uh, and uh, a little upset to learn that the national hockey league the nhl mm-hmm. has issued new guidance that really significantly limits the displays of pride symbols now we've talked a long time about how um, hockey leagues and so on you know certain players who want to be mm-hmm. more visual and evident have been putting that uh, rainbow color tape on their hockey sticks now people put tape on their hockey sticks all the time it's a very just it's a thing that happens like on a two like a, you know it, 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 it's very common um but then you know they put a rainbow tape on it to go look you know i'm not a homophobe everyone should be able to play hockey come have fun uh the nhl has ruled that you are no longer allowed to do that uh so yeah the the halifax muscles uh released a statement um you know expressing their their disappointment uh in that you know the most interesting feedback i've seen by this decision by the nhl is uh somebody pointed out that there still remains a shockingly low number of openly gay hockey players. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They were like, and 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 is this gonna help? Who knows? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's certainly not gonna add to that number when uh you can't even have a bit of gay tape on one your of the biggest stick. barriers though, and that we've seen this in many sports, we've seen a lot of interviews with a lot of athletes in a lot of sports. It's the juniors. That's where a lot of the, the barriers come in. Because a lot of the the national leagues the you know the NHL, the NFL, the CFL, whatever they don't care if you can, if you have the numbers, if you can put butts in the seats and make the money, they do not care. They will take you. Um, but the issue is, can you get the training and experience, and can you get noticed in the field mm-hmm. if the juniors will not accept you? Which is why there's been so much emphasis on um, making it more accessible, specifically in youth sports, because they know that. Many of the major leagues, if you got the numbers behind you, if you can get the sports ball uh, between the holes or whatever. Yeah, in um, in the net. Yeah, in in, in the net behind the hole, um, then 
uh, they'll they'll hire you. They don't care. A lot of them really don't care. They'll they'll just take you because you're you're good at it. But if you if you don't have the opportunities to become good and prove that you're good, then mm-hmm. you won't get there. So there, but it really is a, a it is the juniors. But then the 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 major league set the precedent. It's it's a whole thing. It's a feedback cycle. So yeah, I mean it is a top down trickle down kind of thing. But it really the biggest barrier is in the junior leagues. But then the junior leagues often follow the uh the the precedent set by the major leagues so and that's why i wanted to talk about the halifax muscles Mm -hmm. you know because then it goes all the way down to Mm -hmm. your local community Mm -hmm. focus team um you know named after a mollusk so yeah that's you know it's yeah absolutely you're absolutely right okay Mm -hmm. well i believe we have run out of time uh on today's show we will be playing out with everything by a la mode uh, I have been Luke Smith. And I'm Sebastian. And thank you for listening. <laughs> <laughs>